0: The wrestling world never stops turning. We're going to talk about the Firefly Funhouse. We're going to talk about NXT TakeOver 25. John Moxley continues to shock the wrestling world. Montez Ford from the Street Profits is our guest. This is Not Sam Wrestling.
1: This is Not Sam Wrestling.
0: Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Boy, we got a fun show today. I'm excited about this one. I'm actually excited too. I got so much good feedback on last week's episode. I appreciate all that. We tried something new. Look, at the end of the day, Not Sam Wrestling is always going to be what Not Sam Wrestling was intended to be from the beginning. We've been doing this for, I think it'll be five years in October, right? Yeah, I guess five years in October, and from the beginning, this is a podcast for wrestling fans, and I'm always going to try to figure out new ways to celebrate our fandom, and sometimes it's not just kind of going over what's going on in the current product. You know, I'm sitting there. And I realized last week that I was getting these feelings of nostalgia and old shows and all that. And that's such a big part of being a fan, especially at my age or anybody who's an age similar to me. The reason we're as big of wrestling fans as we are today is because of how big of fans we were when we were kids. So sometimes I like to celebrate that aspect of the whole thing. Um, And I thought Mike Johnson was a tremendous addition to the show. And I appreciated all the positive feedback I got in the format switch up last week, uh, when we ended up doing a complete retrospective on ECW, barely legal. That's something we're going to continue to do. Uh, I got a couple messages from a couple people that I think are going to be phenomenal on the podcast. That are kind of interested in going down memory lane. You know, if you're a, a not Sam Shill over at Patreon.com/slash/notsamwrestling, and you've got suggestions as to what shows, moments, etc., you'd like to see covered in that retrospective way like we did for Barely Legal, send those suggestions in because I'm always listening for stuff. That's the whole point. I mean, if I'm not going to listen to the fans of this show and I'm going to call myself a fan podcast, I'm doing everything backwards. So if you've got suggestions, make sure you're sending them in. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, I want to send a couple thank yous out, actually. First of all, I was on the... TakeOver 25 uh, pre-show on Sunday, which was a a blast. And the show was unbelievable. We'll talk about it a lot in State of Wrestling this week. But I want to thank Mr. uh, Mr. Alex Pierce Customs over on Instagram. He is the gentleman that slipped me a custom-made Mattel uh, Sam Roberts action figure that I was able to get on camera for the beginning of that pre-show. So that was Mr. Alex Pierce Customs. Uh, on Instagram. He did an amazing job. It's the second custom-made Sam Roberts figure I've received. I love him. It it blows my mind, especially the good job that you guys do these days. It's it's really, really cool. Uh, Speaking of figures, I also want to thank Totally Rad Toys on Instagram. Totally Rad Toys was able to uh, point me in the direction. He was able to hook me up with a good deal on a couple of Hasbro's. That I needed to add to the collection. Not that I didn't have these figures, but my 123 kid had sun damage. And as you've heard on the Major Brothers Wrestling Figure podcast, my Ludwig Borga may or may not be missing a finger. So, Totally Rad Toys uh, had a 123 kid and a Ludwig Borga in amazing condition. And uh, he sent them over. And it's really nice to see somebody that gives great deals and sends exactly what they described that they had uh, on the internet. So totally Red toys is his Instagram if you want to uh, pick up any retro figures. And then the last thank you, I want to send this to Chalkline. Uh, I'm adding to my uh, Chalkline WWE shorts collection. I got the Bret the Hitman heart shorts. I, it's l- probably, I wear so much Chalkline stuff around the house. You know, I wear uh, the track pants, the WCW and the Wolfpack track pants around the house all the time. And those shorts, I have the Ravishing Rick Rude shorts, I have the Dude Love shorts, and now I have the Bret Hart shorts. And I wear them around all the time. All the time. They're the most comfortable things ever. And Chalkline is just uh, putting out teasers that they're going to put out ECW shorts. With after, after the Barely Legal legal episode, I was like, yeah, send me all the ECW shorts. I'm going to need them. Here's my credit card. Just charge, charge, charge away. And the other stuff that I've heard they've got coming out and that's coming down the pipeline... Uh, I'm super excited about. So, you know, I've been... But you guys know. I mean, Chalkline makes the Not Sam jackets. I've been a fan of of Chalkline for a really, really, really long time. I mean, you talk about fan service. Chalkline is like a fantasy brand. It's everything that you could have wanted. It's all the stuff that you go... I mean, it'd be awesome if this existed, but no company would ever make it. And then Chalkline goes, hold my beer. And you come out with something amazing. You have Dude Love tie-dye basketball shorts. Incredible. So... Thank you to Chalkline for sending over another pair of shorts uh, and making it so that my wife now has to pick one. Pick one. Either focus on my upper legs that are neon pink, Bret Hart style, or focus on my skinny white lower legs. Up to you, babe. Whatever you want to do. Hey, uh, you know, I got inspired this week uh, watching TakeOver, especially live in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I mean... You talk about a crowd that was on fire. The Bridgeport crowd was so good during TakeOver. There's a really great moment, actually, that wasn't caught on camera. And I don't know how many people uh, even realized that it happened. But so we did the pre show um, right in front of the entranceway, right by where Triple H, yours truly, and Pat McAfee took a photo that Triple H tweeted out. I don't know if you noticed that, but maybe check out his Twitter account and Instagram. Uh, But they set up, uh, because it was a totally different setup, because it was an independent NXT show. The building was not set up for WWE TV, and NXT fit into that. It was a totally, NXT was coming in for the night, and then everybody was packing up and leaving. So it was a totally new experience, and it was really, really, really cool to see that and to get the energy of the building. The, The NXT roster is just so passionate about the brand. It's really, really cool and refreshing and... Great to be around. It's inspiring, quite frankly. But they set up the pre-show table so that we are facing right in front of the kind of Titan tron monitor. So behind us is the aisle that leads to the ring. Um, and Pat McAfee, Charlie, and myself are sitting down and we're getting ready to start the pre-show. And fans are just starting to enter the building. They might have opened the doors 20 minutes before the pre-show actually started, if that. So you know there's just people here and there there was one AEW chant all night and during the show itself i didn't hear one chant and i had a buddy who was in the audience and he was like yeah no i didn't i didn't hear it at all and the very beginning of the evening there were a couple a couple of people that came in and started chanting AEW and instantly the NXT fans just turned around and started booing them and saying not here And guess what? NXT put on a show where they left no room for anybody to think about anyone else. I just thought it was great. To me, and this is not a shot at AEW, I just, I like product loyalty, you know? I would probably feel the same way if, you know, if somebody, CM Punk is great, but when people are chanting CM Punk and fans tell them to shut up because they want to see what's going on in the ring, I think that's awesome, you know? If I was at an AEW show and somebody was chanting Ambrose, Ambrose, and the crowd turned on him and said, nope, not here, that's John Moxley, I think that was amazing. I love it when the crowd gets behind whatever's going on in the ring for any organization. But for me personally, and I'm not just saying that because I'm involved, as a fan, NXT TakeOver is consistently the best pro wrestling show in the world. I like it better than what New Japan puts on. I like it better than what AEW's put on, Ring of Honor, WWE. I love NXT Takeovers. Every single Takeover show, I just leave going, this is why I like wrestling. And there are moments from a lot of shows where I get that feeling. But there's very few shows where throughout the night, it's just the feeling builds and builds and builds and I just leave on this wrestling high. You know, a lot of times you watch a show and you end up leaving on a wrestling low because you don't love how it went or it was like, meh. But NXT Takeovers, you, I always leave on a wrestling high. And for that to happen show after show after show, I mean, I would say that NXT Takeovers, inarguably, have given me that feeling since January of 2018. That was the show where it was... Uh, Andrade defending the title against Gargano. To me, that was the beginning, really, of this era of NXT that we're in now. Now, the TakeOver shows before that were amazing, too, so don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm really talking about this era of NXT. And they have not let me down once. At least since January 2018. Maybe that's just when I started counting. Um, But I have to tell you, I got the feels, When I watch the Street Profits capture the tag team titles in their ladder match, you know, the Street Profits have been around NXT for three years and teams have come and gone. They've come in, ascended to the top, been the team, left to go to the main roster or stayed, but still kind of been a part of the main event scene of NXT. And a lot of these teams come into NXT with a tremendous experience. In the world of pro wrestling, which the Street Profits don't have outside of NXT. So, in an era when NXT has so much, I mean, let's think about it. Go down the roster, right? Your main event is Cole Gargano, tremendous experience. Your opening match is Roddy Strong versus Matt Riddle, tremendous experience. You know, Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze might be the exception, but Tyler Breeze has been around for a long time and wrestled on the main roster. You know, Io Shirai comes in with 10 years experience. Shayna Baszler has experience before she got here. There's not that many people left that are coming in and saying, I'm a performance center, homegrown talent, and the fans like me just as much, and the fans are getting behind me, and the fans are happy to see me ascend to the top of this division. But that's how they're feeling about the Street Profits, and that's why I got so excited. Now... I reached out to WWE and I said, Hey, I'd love to have Montez Ford on the podcast this week. And I knew it's probably going to get weird, you know, at some point because I have said what I've said about Bianca Belair in the past. And Montez Ford is married to Bianca Belair, very publicly loves that woman. And, Nothing that I've ever said about Bianca Belair has been personal. Nothing that I say on any kickoff show, when any on any commentary for that I've done for WWE, none of that stuff is personal. I'm analyzing the product that's in front of me. I'm analyzing the performances of the superstars. I'm analyzing the show itself has nothing to do with anybody personally. Unless I get personal, which I don't think I have yet. You know, whether I'm talking about Gargano or Finn Balor or Bianca Belair or Tyler Breeze. These aren't personal things. These are things that I gather as a fan from simply watching the product. And I put my opinion out there. And I did that about Bianca Belair in January when I said that uh, I didn't think she belonged on TakeOver, especially in the Women's Championship match. So I knew that was going to have to get addressed if I was going to talk to Montez Ford, but I also said to myself, it's worth addressing to get to know this guy. He hasn't done a ton of interviews. He doesn't have a huge history in pro wrestling outside of NXT. And to me, both of them, the Street Profits as a team, I believe have a tremendous future in WWE and in wrestling. No shade to Angelo Dawkins. I think Angelo Dawkins is awesome. I feel like I'm looking at a star when I see Montez Ford. And who knows, maybe I'm looking at a star when I see Angelo Dawkins too. But at the end of the day, Montez Ford and the sensational athleticism that I see and the promos and the personality, there's something there, man. We are we are on the verge of something really cool. And so I said, I want to talk to Montez Ford and I want to learn a little bit more about his journey. I want to learn a little bit more about his mindset as he walked into TakeOver. And if I have to explain myself about his wife, Bianca Belair, then so be it. It's worth doing it. So that's exactly what I did. And Montez Ford came back and he said, I'd love to be a part of Not Sam Wrestling this week. So here we are, just three days or so. Let's see, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Four days removed from winning the NXT Tag Team Championship. Of the Street Profits, my guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling is Montez Ford.
1: The Not Sam Wrestling interview.
0: For the first time on Not Sam Wrestling, we have uh, an NXT. Well, it's not the first time there's an NXT superstar on Not Sam Wrestling, but it's the first time it's this NXT superstar. One half of the new NXT tag team champions of the world, the Street Profits, ladies and gentlemen. Montez Ford is here. What's the haps, Montez?
2: I've been waiting a long time for this, man. You know why? You know why the simply, Sam. You know why the simply, right? Why is that? Why is that? I, I, I've been waiting a long time for this because I wanted to actually get you
0: mm-hmm.
2: on a conversation mm-hmm. and just say, you know, before we go forward, man, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> you know this is going to come up, man. You know this is going to come up. Before we go forward, we got to squash this, man. We got to squash this. You got you, the, the the comments about Bianca, man. We gotta squash it before we go forward, man. We gotta squash it, man. It's, L- it's gotta happen.
0: Look, you you are a man amongst men for bringing it up right off the bat. First of all, we,
2: we got We gotta squash it, man. I got too much. I love her to death, and I respect you enough. Like I, res- I'm not telling you apologize or anything. Mm-hmm. I respect everybody's. I respect everyone's opinion, but to say she's not deserving. It was like, come on, man. Come on, man. Look, you know, so we if we we can squash it now. So everybody's into apologies. So we just apologize now, and we can just we we could go on and have a beautiful podcast, man, because it's a beautiful day out here.
0: I'm ready to squash it. I'm ready to say that uh, Bianca Belair is clearly an incredible athlete. Who, by the way, since I think that was January, uh, has only improved and improved and improved and improved. Uh, I don't have any ill will towards Bianca Belair, I'm a fan of Bianca Belair. In that moment, I thought that she wasn't ready for the NXT Women's Championship, and she didn't win that match. But going forward, when she when she came back to take over for the Fatal 4-Way, I thought she belonged in that Fatal 4-Way match. And quite frankly, everything she's done since then has impressed me, and it's impressed the NXT universe. So I can't sit here and tell you that Bianca Belair is not one of the greatest Athletes in NXT, especially after I watched her on the NXT Combine. Um, but I said what I said in January, and that was January.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was just talking about the you know the whole question January, man.
0: You have to give me a whole monologue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but anyways, man, that's out the way, man. Yes. How are you doing, man?
0: How are you doing, man? I I I swear, you know, watching that championship ladder match at NXT takeover over the weekend, especially on a takeover show like that, because I don't know if people realize, but the vibe that I got in that NXT locker room was that you guys were all keenly aware that this was the first takeover in a long time. And definitely the first takeover in an arena that was not attached to a main roster pay-per-view weekend. This was the first time that you guys were stepping outside of that space and, and acting as an independent, functioning body, and I feel like every single match brought so much fire. I thought that the crowd brought so much fire to every single match. Was there an intimidation going into this ladder match knowing what had just happened before you and what was going to happen after you, that in order to shine, you guys were going to have to completely go all out?
2: Okay, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, first, I'd like to say, you know, like, thank you for having me on this podcast. Thank you for taking the time out today to not only have me on the podcast, but, you know, addressing what we addressed earlier. And now take over. Uh, yes, do I think it was a part of an intimidation? I do believe so. And the reason why I say that is because uh, NXT has already built that type of aura when it comes to those main stages. And like you said, it wasn't attached to the big four, as everybody call it is It's uh, WrestleMania, uh, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam. It wasn't attached to that. So for us to actually be on a single solitary weekend and have that much attention on us, that's the intimidation factor already. Mm-hmm. And not even one single match has even begun. So this is all the stuff that is going through me and Doc's heads, like leading up to TakeOver. It's like, you know, not only all the eyes will be completely watching us, but we got to we got to go out there. And we got to take it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's takeover has already built the 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 vision to, in my opinion, to the wrestling world, that they are the brand. They are the brand and they are the, the measuring stick when it comes to everything. And our main thing was is to go out there and actually just show people like who we are, period.
0: Yeah, and I mean, especially for you guys, who you have never had a, a major opportunity at TakeOver before. Like, you you, no, and, you and Dawkins, the Street Profits, have never had the opportunity to shine on this level. No,
2: no. That was both me and Dawkins. Dawkins was actually, he's been a part of developmental for seven years. I just passed uh, a little bit over four years here, and this was the exact first time for both of us to be on takeover that's correct and uh and that's why like i said leading into takeover it was like you know this is your first time and like it's the same thing whenever somebody new gets signed or walks through the door like you gotta you gotta make an impression so granted we he's been here seven years and i've been here four years takeover is like where all of that all that hard work all the years you put in that's when it has to show there because you don't want to go out there and you put out a performance and, and like and you feel like you, you you undershot yourself. You know, and that's the first time you're out there. You know, eyes are out there and it's in this and it's out it's obviously about we wanted to outdo ourselves of all the years leading up to that. And I think that's what the major thing for us leading into that. You know, especially with our families ringside, uh the kids, uh his his girl was watching, my wife was there. It's just so much like just leading up to it. And it's the atmosphere like you said was crazy.
0: Well, and it's also like, you know, for guys like you, it used to be the Performance Center used to be built for guys like you and Dawkins. But it's the Performance Center and NXT has evolved kind of past that to the point where guys like you are watching, whether it's uh, the Viking Raiders or the Undisputed Era or Mustache Mountain or whatever team it is come in. People that have been wrestling for years around the world come in and get into that tag division and go and get those tag titles and get those tag titles. And I would imagine that for you two, you at some point have to sit there and go, what do we have to do to prove that we're on this level? What do we have to do to break through this cycle of people who are coming in here with a reputation and going right right to the top?
2: Right, absolutely. I I, I completely agree, man. Um, I think the main thing that drove us was the fact, like you said, you have all of these experienced wrestlers and entertainers are coming in from all types of world, like from other promotions, and, and they made names for themselves. So when we do and when we did get those opportunities to go against them, like when we went against the War Raiders, like that was our, that was, for us, that was our time to show us, like, hey, these guys have been around the world. We want to show, like, hey, we can hang with them.
0: We can right. go with
2: them, you know, and that's, that's all part of, like, make, making the mark. And I think that's the beauty of NXT and why the competition is so high and everybody is so, like, viciously hungry because you have people from all walks of life that can possibly come here. So you have to be, like, on your A-game pretty much all the time because all types of people coming in, all types of people want opportunities, all types of people have, like, this certain name that they're trying to build up and, and keep. And you just have to let them know like when it's whenever it's your time to get the opportunity, you gotta shine. You gotta go. Yeah. Because that that chance may not come back around again. You
0: yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. What were you doing before you were at the performance center for WWE?
2: So from two thousand eight, two thousand twelve, I was in the United States Marine Corps mm-hmm. and then afterwards uh, I moved to uh I moved to the south a little bit and worked for this uh this plaque this plastic factory called uh A T shipping Shipping plastic, man, for for farm mills, Shipping, shipping, twelve hour shifts, and then uh, at that point, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is rough, strenuous job. Like, I feel like you know, it's it's, it's not." really doing too much for me here like i don't think i can advance as much as i need to take care of my kids
0: we'll get back to getting to know montez ford a little better momentarily but if you didn't get a chance to get tickets to nxt takeover 25 i think i know why it's complicated there's millions of tickets out there why can't they all be in one place where you know you're going to get the best price and everything's going to be available i've got the answer to you see geek They've got all the tickets you're looking for all in one place, whether it's sports, live music, comedy, wrestling, Broadway, whatever you need, SeatGeek has it. Hey, it's no wonder SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews. They rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and then they display them on an interactive seat map. See, green dots mean good deals. Red dots are a little overpriced. You know if you're getting the best deal. You know exactly where you're sitting. And each ticket is fully guaranteed. I got the see Geek app on my phone. It's unbelievable. If you don't even know what events are happening near you, they've got all the information there for you. If you want to see what's happening near you, if you want to see when your favorite band or wrestling show is going on tour, it'll tell you. You can get events to anything, anywhere, all at the best price that you're going to be able to find it. And get this, it gets even better. SeatGeek is going to give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. $10 off. Why? Because SeatGeek likes us. And I like you. And that's what we figured out together. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code SAM, S-A-M, to get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code SAM for $10 off your first purchase from the Seat Geek app, uh, and I would I imagine too. The there's a there's a little bit of culture shock, right, coming out of the Marines and doing this thing that's like the most honorable thing that you can do, and then you're working in a plastic factory. Not that there's anything wrong with working and shipping plastic, but there's just got to be that sort of, you know, I was doing more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, doing more in regards to the military or
0: just, just doing like the, the, I, I, I would have to imagine that being in the Marine Corps comes with a tremendous sense of importance to what you're doing and that, that, that sense of importance in what you're doing, that you would get hungry for that sense of importance in whatever follows after.
2: Yes, absolutely. And that's, that makes perfect. Like it is a culture shock because, uh, the you know, military structure based and, you know, everything's time, deadline, whatever, and you get to be efficient and all this other things and you got to be pretty much precise in everything you do because decision making is, is key.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: like you said, culture shock and, like, you know, we call it, you know, we get in the civilian world and everything's a little bit slower, people don't move as fast and it's pretty much you have to go. And I think that's what led me to actually, you know, obtaining my dream which is, the WWE NXT is, you know, like I said, I worked in the plastic factory for like maybe a couple of months. And then eventually I, I went back to, uh, I guess a government website where you can submit your resumes and they help you get government jobs from your past experience. And I actually ended up getting a contracting job back in Coronado and San Diego.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And all in between this, I already had my first to- tryout in the WWE in 2013. But at the time, um, uh, they said I spoke well, and uh, they said that, you know just keep trying and keep sending us emails and send us update pics and you know we'll possibly get you a, another opportunity. So in the process of that, I did the contracting job back in San Diego and Coronado, and I just kept hitting up like one of the uh, one of the HR department representatives. Just kept hitting them, up, hitting them up, hitting them up, hitting them up, hitting them up, sending emails, sending like pictures, sending videos, like showing my progress. And I even remember from the last trial, I gained almost forty pounds. Between that one and the second time they sent me out there, and second time I went out there, did a the trial and here we are.
0: Wow, yeah. and 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 so you're, but you're not like wrestling on the weekends or wrestling on the side while all this is going on.
2: No, no, I'm just strictly working and uh, doing some classes for uh, through school because uh, through the military. Uh, you actually get to use a GI Bill to obtain classes and get degrees. So I was working and trying to obtain my degree in criminal justice on the side. Wow! So no, I wasn't wrestling. I didn't have any wrestling experience before NXT at all. The only wrestling experience I had was watching it as a
0: kid. So. <laughs> so are you just a natural athlete? Because, you know, I mean, looking... Anybody that watched TakeOver, but anybody that's familiar with the Street Profits in general in NXT, like, your athlete. We talked about Bianca at the beginning of this thing. Your athleticism... Is right there. It's something that, that sticks out. It's what you bring. So the idea that you weren't any form of professional athlete before getting to the performance center at all is kind of uh, uh, amazing.
2: Now I, I was I didn't play sports because I I did play sports in high school, uh-huh. but it was just like I get what you're saying. It was it was just it was just a dip because when I graduated, the the main sports I was doing was track, cross country, and uh, and, and basketball. And, and play a little soccer as well but track was like the main thing that we were doing and I was doing ROTC as well but once I graduated uh it was just pretty much like just like I said the military but I didn't do any sports since probably high school so wow like coming to the performance center was like a like a refreshment of just getting back into the groove of you know the athletics from high school so thank god my mother did put me in I had some type of muscle memory coming in. Thank you, mom. Yeah. I appreciate that.
0: God bless you. Yeah, I mean, thank God there was some kind of foundation there, right?
2: Right, right, right.
0: So who you? Who were you a fan of growing up when you were watching wrestling as a fan?
2: As a fan, The Rock. The Rock yeah. was uh, The Rock was like the complete package to me, man. I, I just liked the way his uh, the way he carried himself, his posture when he spoke, the different mannerisms, and how animated he was and like I remember I used to walk in the like me and my sister used to go to the uh, same high school cause we were like two years apart and I remember like we used to go and lunch and we used to make entrances coming into the cafeteria but I would always do The Rock mm-hmm. you know and The Rock was my guy like I used to get up on uh, the edge of my bed and raise my arm and cut promos at school on the teachers and get sent out sometimes but yeah <laughs> my guy was up. The, the Rock was he was my guy, man. Like he's he still is, man. He still is, man.
0: Have you spent any time uh, yeah. with him since you've been wrestling? Like have you got you have, know, you, have uh, you met him or, or? Since,
2: I've, since I've been here, man? Yeah. I've met pretty much everyone across the board except for The Rock. Wow. I met, Brock, I met John uh, yeah, I met I met Brock Brock Lesnar, John Cena, uh spoke with Undertaker back in Dallas, maybe uh maybe like you know, in Dallas where we had the Wrestling in Dallas for a little bit with Elias and uh just I mean, everyone across the board except for The Rock. There's only one I haven't met yet, man.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, obviously it's going to happen at some point, especially, you know, with you guys, you're just on the... You're, this is just the beginning, quite frankly, for The Street Profits. Who, uh, in terms of the people that you watched growing up, or in terms of, you know, because obviously Triple H is a big influence on you, and Triple H is of the same era as The Rock. Who, who of the guys that you watched growing up have since come up to you and said... Oh, I really like this thing that you do, or offered you some kind of advice that you were like, "Oh my God, this is this is crazy."
2: So, um, I've 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 gotten cause we're blessed to be here at the PC and have like so many like different coaches and talent like come through here, and it's just like I think for me, everyone across the board that's walked up and mm-hmm. said something, I can't even like go off the name, but anyone who's ever came up and like said something, or gave advice, uh, it's, it's been. It's been like wow, like yeah, like this is like you know. I remember one time, uh, I think this was actually this was past weekend at Takeover, and uh, Shawn Michaels was giving some insight like towards the uh, like what how he feels like you know our our tone or should be going into the match. It's like wow, Shawn Michaels, you know this is Mr. Mr. WrestleMania, you know giving advice towards and and it's just it's mind blowing. You don't. And, and, and Triple H even said one time, Boss, uh, saying one time how like, you know, sometimes just everything happens so fast, and just sometimes just take time to sit back and enjoy all of it. And I thought that was like also one of the most real statements I've heard too, because it does, it all does happen fast. It does do seem like yesterday, you know, 2015 I started here, and now Takeover is already passed for me in Dogs, and like it happens fast, but. Like you said, it's like one of those things where you just got to sit back and just take it all in because we're going to look back and be like, man, this is, this is a really good time in our lives, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that there's any doubt. I think that any, everybody that's come from NXT that I've talked to kind of just thinks back on some of the matches that they had, especially on TakeOvers. And it's just, I mean, man, what a great time it is for all of you guys that are doing what you're doing. When you have that, that moment, that is going to close the match at TakeOver. The the jump from the rope to the ladder, that that spectacular move, where it looks like it's not going to happen because the ladder looked like it was really far away from the rope. Is is, the, is there anything in your head going, oh my god, if I don't make this ladder right now, the whole thing is blown. Like, this is not... You know, I, I think people take for granted that it's just going to happen because, as fans, we just get to kind of watch you guys do things that look impossible... But you're a human right. being that has to pull this off, right?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it was it was it was terrifying, <laughs> and I, I even remember uh, I even remember toward the end of the match where Dalton Spirit Cutler, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh man, I gotta go. And then like I'm just thinking like as I'm getting up there, I'm just like you said, I'm like, man, if I don't make this, man, I was like, you know what? <sighs> I just won't show my face anymore. You know, I can leave the company. I'll change my name. Yeah. You know, I might I might go by you know you know a different name a different a different alias or whatever. Yeah. I just change my name. I'll, I'll move to Puerto Rico or something, or I go <laughs> I go to you know i it might even get so bad I might have to move, you know somewhere way off grid and just change the name because I'm like if I don't make this jump, man. This, it's it. This is all the stuff that's going through my head as I'm on the top rope, leap, leaping to the ladder. These and are your I, these, these are your midair these, thoughts. That like you can even see at the end of the it, once I landed, you uh-huh. can even see my eyes in shock of like, oh snap, I made it.
0: Because <laughs> you're just sitting there in midair, going, the last five years, it all this it's is out, it, it oh, all man. It, this, this is, is it, yeah, yeah.
2: I'm like man, it's, this is it, man. This is it, man. I'm like man, like <laughs> you know, you not know bad. Will be for for the kids that have to go to school. I'm like, yeah, man, your daddy. Yeah, he 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 didn't he didn't make it. Didn't make
0: it <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and I I was feeling the same way because I talked about it on the on the pre-show that this was the make or break moment for the street profits. You guys, after all this time, we're finally getting your opportunity. I said exactly what you said at the beginning of the interview that there is nothing that says that they're going to get another opportunity. This is it. This is the one. So, I mean, I feel like it all is encompassed into that one jump, that the fact that it was able to be pulled off flawlessly kind of lets you know where everything is going. Um,
2: thank, who, thank God for it, though. Yeah, really. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: who uh, who came up with the whole Street Profits, the name, the act, the cups, the, the whole thing? Because – i mean you know it's one of those i don't want to say gimmicks i say acts because it's one of those the street privates i feel like is is one of those teams that is so contemporary and feels like relevant to what's going on and what young people are actually doing and feeling and saying and thinking like it's just it's just so on the pulse more than a lot of other stuff is uh how much of that is you and Angelo? How much of that is input from other people in NXT? How, how does that all come about?
2: Well, so, uh, I don't know how much trouble I get in this podcast for saying, <laughs> you know, whatever happens behind the scenes or whatever. But uh, <laughs> uh, the whole Street Project act was pretty much like, uh, it's, it's crazy how it started. was uh I think, uh, it, was, it was a taping where I think I had, ironically it's crazy how all this stuff started, how it all culminated at TakeOver. Uh it was a taping where I went against Steve Cutler and on the same tapings I think Andrew Dawkins went against uh at the time, No Way Jose.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then after that at the time, um, a couple of people came to us with the idea of having us as a tag team. So we was like, you know, we started, you know, tagging out on the the uh the Florida shows and Getting stuff together and just trying to get a groove, and you know, just trying to get a groove of like what what do we want to present to the world? Because we already know like who we are, but now it was just a it was just a process of trying to put who me and Dawkins are as people and translate it into professional entertainment, professional wrestling. Right. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Because you, I think the art of nxt is putting your personalities through you know what I, I, what we do in the ring just putting the person personalities out there and just getting everybody on board to understand like what we're really trying to bring to the world so like from from once we had the tapers you know a couple of ideas of putting us out putting us together and we ended up messing together and the the name was just like my name actually came from uh from, uh, there was a guy, I believe, uh, that came to the the PC because once we have it, we have the little PC tours and everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, he came in, his name was, uh, was Montez. And it was like, well, th- th- there you go. <laughs> 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 Montez did like my, my last my last name is is is, is Crawford, so that's where the four came from.
0: But somebody came in named Montez and had no idea that it's like, yeah, you just gave me my name.
2: It, it <laughs> came in, his name was Montez, and uh, I forgot what his name was, but he was Montez, and uh, I was like, That's my name. That's that's, 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 that's that's my name, man. That's my name. So I went to the I went to the courthouse and got my name changed, man. Like Ocho Cinco, man. That's my name now.
0: That's amazing,
2: Montez. What that's for man <laughs> but uh I serious so um uh, but yeah the everything that's been put together, like the acting and everything is is pretty much me and Doc just bouncing ideas off each other and just doing you know just feeling it while we're out there, and then just like obviously, like I said, like having the the staff and everyone just just have us find different ways of you know. Doing our action and performing and making sure that the audience captivates it and understands it. Right, you know what I'm saying because everything is a flow. It's a it's a flow, and I think that's one of the major things. Like I want to personally thank you know everyone that's helped us along the way is actually getting the flow of of who we are because our culture is different, and just like everyone else who's out there performing, everyone has a different culture and, and a different way of expressing themselves. And, I, and I'm just glad now, it's to the point now that everyone can, what well, it seems like now, that everyone can can understand it, you know?
0: Yeah, and is, is that part of it? Do you have to explain like why the music has to sound a certain way? Why you're coming out to the ring with cups? Why you're doing, I, I'll do this dance, but I won't do that dance because... I mean, you're right, it does have to be culturally relevant because if you start coming across like a parody or like you're trying to be something that you're not to relate to something that's not working and it's phony, you know, people are going to throw it out immediately.
2: Right, right, right. And and that's one thing that, you know... I feel like we don't want at all is that we don't want people to not understand us or we don't want people to feel like we're being offensive. It's just, it's just us being expressive and passionate right. about what we're doing, you know? Cause like a lot of things nowadays and you, you know, cause you, you deal with podcasts, you deal with different people all the time. There's a lot of things now that get misunderstood for either the wrong or right reasons. Yeah. And our thing is just constantly, constantly just trying to like get people to understand, like, you know, like this is what we do, and if it gets if it does get to a point where they don't understand, then it's just like well maybe it's just not for them. But that's not what we want them to. We don't want it to be like you
0: know when well, they don't
2: understand, so forget them. Like no, nah, it's it's just we we want to communicate with everybody, you know, and that's that's the beauty of it. Like to bring everybody in, you know.
0: Yeah, to take a to take your unique culture, but then make it inclusive so that you can have yeah. a, a whole audience in Bridgeport, Connecticut putting their cups up with you and dancing with you. And they're all doing your thing because everybody's yeah, celebrating yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes yeah, perfect sense. That's
2: that's, that's that's the main thing, man. And I think like, that's, like I said, that's the beauty of NXT. Just, just grabbing everybody, you know, for the ride. Cause like we're all in this together. So yeah. we might as all well enjoy ourselves <laughs> and, you know, in the whole process of all of this. So
0: how, uh, yeah, man, it's, how important and, and helpful was it for you and Angelo to go over and spend some time in Evolve and, and to get out of the WWE system, you know, Evolve is is part of the whole thing, but to go to Evolve a separate company and to kind of get the feel for what that's all like.
2: I, 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 can honestly say, man, this, that was probably one of the best decisions and, and moves we ever made as a tag team because uh, like I said, me and Dawkins, we didn't have any independent experience beforehand. We mm. didn't, we didn't work in the, We didn't work in the Indies. You know, we didn't have experience. So, like going there and just getting the feel of like, like, like a speck of what they possibly go through. Like when it comes to uh, the wrestling setups, the performances, the the environments, or whatever. It's just like the hustle, the grind that they have to do. And listen to these guys' stories and show and listen to how like how exactly how they got to the point of us being there at the evolve at the same time it just it just humbles you, you know? Yeah. And it just lets you know like, you know, everybody has a story about, you know, how they got to a certain spot in their career. And it just humbled us. And then to to work with guys that had different styles, different pace and us constantly have to make adjustments and it, it just put us it just put us in a good you know, learning curve, or learning block. And like I said, it, it humbled us completely. And, uh, it just shows like, you know, like all the talent and works in life that come in. It's like you, you get a kind of a feel of like what they go go through before they either get to NHT or they go to another promotion or whatever. Cause yeah. everybody has their own experiences and what they go through. And I think for us, like you said, stepping out of the NXT uh, system and going over there and just seeing how things work is just a different flow, different environment. And it just makes you appreciate everything, and not just NXT, but Evolve and just everybody, just everything around.
0: Have you, I know you've only been champion for a few days. You want to take some time at least to just enjoy the fact that you not only got through that match, but got through it super successfully. And it was, you know, in my eyes, everything you guys could have wanted it to be, but have you guys thought to yourselves, like, oh my god, the level that we just took that match to, do you understand that there's another takeover in August in Toronto, we're gonna have to defend now these NXT Tag Team Championships, and this is the level that people now expect the Street Profits to be performing at on these takeover shows. Oh, I love it. You do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The
2: the hard part, the hard part was... Was the, like I said, the first takeover, and is to get there and set the bar. And yeah. we wanted to set the bar extremely high because I feel like that's how we've been operating for the last couple of years we've been together. it's just keep setting the bar high and keep trying to outperform yourself. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we got on the first takeover, and like you said, if if that's what we did, okay, good. Thank God. If that's what I think, good. But. That's, that's our thing now. If that's the bar we're at, we, we want to go higher. We don't want to go below that. And then even after that, you know, we want to go higher than that. And I think that's, and I think that's the mentality of a lot of people here too, just constantly being hungry and just wanting to press the envelope every single time. Every yeah. single time.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's clear when you watch TakeOver, they're, they're just, they're amazing. To me, NXT TakeOver is, and I watch everything, you know that. and And I stand firm in saying that TakeOver shows are the best shows in wrestling. Right now. I mean, as a fan, mm-hmm. it just doesn't get any better, and it's consistently every single time. Have you mm-hmm. have you guys thought at all about, you know, whether it's two weeks from now or two years from now, where the street profits may fit on the Raw or the SmackDown rosters, or are you more concentrating on what's right in front of your faces?
2: I think for us, uh, because NXT is our home, mm-hmm. and... I feel like every person that's either come through NXT or is still in NXT, uh, everyone has performed at such a high level that, it, in in our opinion, it's its own brand. So I think for now, like for me, and Dogs is focused on obviously keeping the NXT tag team championships, <laughs> but also making making this brand more of what it already is and pushing the envelope even higher. Yes, because I feel like. I do feel like NXT is the' is, is the imprint is the brand It's the brand it's the it's the one that everyone has eyes on, and it's the one that everybody's measuring off of. If you think about it like you said, even when people do comparisons with any types of shows, they always compare it to the takeovers. right and that's the bar that we want to just
0: keep
2: keep keep pushing. So for right now, i focus on is just whatever happens from here until beyond we want to make sure that we push the bar as high as it possibly can before anything else happens. So.
0: Well, my Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Montez Ford, uh, I'm a fan. I love what you guys are doing, and uh, congratulations on the success and, and where this is all headed. I think that the right team won at TakeOver, uh, and I'm really excited to see what happens next, man. Thank you for doing uh, the podcast, and uh, also... For starting this thing and clearing it off and making sure that everything is squashed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, man, it's it's uh good. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you for taking the time out and you know just being patient and having me on your podcast. I do appreciate that. I thank you so much for you know now we got this whole thing cleared up between the Bianca issue. Now now we can go out and have some sushi or some pizza, or Chuck E. Cheese or something. Now that's you know right. I mean? You like Chuck E. Cheese?
0: I love Chuck E. Cheese. Who doesn't?
2: I I mean I'm saying it's, it's it's like Vegas for kids that's what I'm
0: saying man Yeah I'll bring my kids you I mean it'll be great it'll be it'll be perfect
2: Yeah yeah we, 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 we'll go man we'll shoot the basketball so we get the highest points in the smallest amount of time we'll do everything
0: I love it I can't wait yeah, <laughs> I appreciate
2: it man thank you so much man
0: thank you man hey if you want the conversation to extend beyond this podcast and you want to get away from the nonsense that goes along with wrestling twitter don't forget about the discord room it's a private discord room only for Not Sam Shills that is literally active 24 hours a day 7 days a week all the Not Sam Shills are in there talking about every wrestling wrestling show, every wrestling event, every breaking news story I pop in, and the only way to become a member of this Discord room is to be a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash not sam wrestling with tiers starting as low as a dollar, less than a dollar a week, quite frankly. You can get into that Discord room. You can get all the bonus shows that we put out. We put out a a post-show right after AEW Double or Nothing. This week, we're going to put out an exclusive show that goes right along with Super Showdown. It'll be either a watch-along or a post-show. We do it live on video. You can see the live video and participate. You can watch the video later. You can just get the audio. You can get State of Wrestling every week, live on video and on demand on video. Every interview that we do on video before anybody else. You get bonus shows, including Captive Audience, where I sit down with a member of my life, whether it's my wife, whether it's uh, my brother, a friend, and have them watch a classic wrestling show with me that you can watch along with us on the WWE Network, and I explain to them why this show is so great. The only way to get all the content available is to become a Not Sam shill right now at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Tiers start at less than a dollar a week. Sign up today, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling.
2: It's now time for this week's State of
0: Wrestling. Yeah, it is State of Wrestling time here on Not Sam Wrestling. You know how we do this already. We break down the top five stories in the world of professional wrestling uh, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Uh, and we do it here on Not Sam Wrestling each and every single week. Of course, if you want the video of this or you want to watch live, uh, Patreon is the place to be. Um, uh, and I do want to say, you know, for those of you that do listen on Patreon, you didn't hear the Patreon ad that played a, a minute or so ago, but get into the discord room and tell me what you want me to do. Uh, I guess if you're listening to this, the it comes out tomorrow on Friday, what do you want me to do with super showdown? Do you want some kind of a watch along for the last hour? Do you want a post show wrap up? Let's talk about it. What do you want me to do? Hit me up in the Discord room and tell me. Of course, the only way to do that is to be a member of uh, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling and become a Not Sam show. So, story number five this week. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm doing these rankings, these are the top five stories, and you could argue about the order. Sometimes the order is the order just because it's the way I want to do it on the podcast. Um, and where I want to start, so that's why I'm ranking it story number five, is John Moxley's the continuation of John Moxley uh, controlling a large part of the conversation in the world of pro wrestling? John Moxley had his first match since leaving WWE. Technically, John Moxley had his first match since entering WWE. All the matches in WWE were Dean Ambrose. John Moxley is a character that existed before Dean Ambrose did. John Moxley was—he uh, he gained most of his notoriety in CZW and wrestling death matches. Uh, if you go back way into the archives, you can uh, find John Moxley wrestling in a Jersey All Pro event in Rawway, New Jersey, and you might hear the voice of a young Sam Roberts doing play-by-play over at the Rawway Rec Center. Uh, it's really fun to go back to those Jersey All Pro tapes and see everybody. I just saw. Um, I did commentary on a match uh, that was a wrestler named uh, Prince Mustafa Ali. And it was Ali. I mean, uh, uh, Cesaro came through. Uh, Brody Lee came through. That would go on to be Luke Harper. Uh, April, who would go on to be AJ Lee. And of course, as I just said, John Moxley came through uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling in a bit of a talent exchange with CZW. Before, right before, I think, he ended up uh, heading to Florida... And being uh in FCW and what would become the inaugural kind of uh uh the, the first inklings of NXT. Uh but John Moxley went away when he went to Florida. John Moxley is now back, uh, and the shape that this dude is in is amazing. This is not what John Moxley looked like before. Dean Ambrose was hiding the physique of a professional wrestler. Under those jeans and t-shirts and leather jackets that he was wearing all the time. Uh, I like that John Moxley is doing something very, very different. That he's going out there uh, in in actual wrestling gear. He's wearing wrestling shoes. He's not even wearing boots. And he went out, and spoiler alert, he went one-on-one with Juice Robinson. Which, again, kind of a really interesting match. Because Juice Robinson, of course, was also in NXT. This was later than John Moxley was. But he was one of the first people to kind of leave. And everybody left, a lot of us fans scratching our heads going, why would you leave NXT? And he went on to uh, gain uh, quite a bit of fame in New Japan. And he was the uh, uh, United IWGP United States Champion until John Moxley showed up at the best of the Super Juniors and took that title away from him. John Moxley, the, the IWGP United States Champion, as we speak. Now, I saw some people were teasing his ring gear a little bit. I actually liked the ring gear. Maybe because it was just such a departure from Dean Ambrose. Um, but I thought it was cool. You know, he was wearing like uh, like small MMA shorts, knee pads, wrestling shoes, not boots. Uh, and I thought it was cool. You know, I thought that his style was different. There was a whole bunch of GIFs out there. If you just Google it, you can find them. Uh, the new finisher, it's, it's like the Dirty Deeds it's a double arm DDT but it's a guillotine double arm DDT so he picks you way up in the air and he's got your legs straight up it just looks really cool uh I'm surprised though that John Moxley's first in-ring match so he shocks the world by showing up at AEW's pay-per-view and then all the AEW fans because I think for the most part The AEW fans are the fans that are all over the internet, are the fans in America that are going to figure out how to watch New Japan. So, you know, most of the AEW fans that were excited to see Jon Moxley show up probably also can figure out how to get access to New Japan through New Japan World or whatever other various nefarious means that they have. So I was a little surprised because he's doing the aew event fighter fest which i don't think is going to be televised uh which again is a little odd uh later in the month but i would have thought since he made such a big impact that aew would want that nut for themselves that that the the first time he steps in the ring aew would kind of want that to be theirs uh but alas it is not he is the uh iwgp united states champion which would lead one to believe that john moxley is going to continue wrestling for new japan at least uh to some extent, the same way Chris Jericho, uh, was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, uh, for a period of time there in New Japan, um, I, I wanted to, I, I, I like it better when he comes down the aisle, to tell you the truth, he walked through the crowd for his entrance, which was cool, because you don't really see that all that much in New Japan, but at the same time, you know, I, I was, I like the idea that John Moxley is not only different, but I like the idea of portray, at least trying to portray John Moxley as a much bigger star than Dean Ambrose. I like the idea that while Dean Ambrose was kind of this grimy everyman that would come out of the crowd and would wrestle in jeans and do all this, Jon Moxley is a character that is deserving of a grand entrance of music and the spotlight right on him in the moment where everybody cheers because they see him for the first time. I'd like a little bit more of that with John Moxley, but... All in all, he is he is setting the wrestling world on fire. And I don't think that's to anybody's surprise, to tell you the truth. I don't think anybody's shocked. You know, everybody knows how talented Dean Ambrose is. I think even WWE knows that. You know, I, I believe that even with all these podcasts that Dean Ambrose put out, that, you know, I would not be shocked to see Dean Ambrose back in the WWE at some point. Years, years down the line. It won't be anytime soon. But I think WWE will always be aware of Dean Ambrose's talent. You know, I don't think that when stuff like this happens, that WWE doesn't see what Dean Ambrose is capable of. We're just in an era right now where WWE wants to do what WWE wants to do. And as much as Dean Ambrose is this amazing talent, I think WWE just wants to say, yeah, but I want him to do this. And if he doesn't want to do it, he's got to go type of stuff, you know, not that they fired him or anything. He left. They wanted him to stay. But yeah, we want him to stay, but here's what we want him to do. And that's the deal with not just John Moxley. That's the deal with everybody. You know, the whole thing is like Sirius XM has every right to come to me and say, look, Sam, we know how talented you are. And here's what we want you to do. Here's what we think we want for our company. This isn't the Sam Roberts company. This is the SiriusXM company. And what SiriusXM wants from Sam Roberts is for you to go and talk about, uh, you know, synchronized swimming every morning. That's what we want from you. You have the ability to talk about just about anything. If anybody can make a synchronized swimming show work, it's you. And we want a synchronized swimming show. So that's what we want you to do. And I'd go, well, I'm capable of so much more. And they go, yeah, I know. I don't care, I want you to do a synchronized swimming show. And I go, okay, I signed a contract, I made that deal. I wanted to be a talent on Sirius XM, so this is kind of what I have to do now. And at some point, if I decide that I don't wanna do a synchronized swimming show anymore, guess what? I have a studio in my basement, I can come down here. If I can do better without it, I can be without it. That's the thing, it's not just wrestling anymore. You know, it's not just the wrestling industry. It's everything. It's entertainment. It's it's broadcasting. It's acting. It's comedy. It's everything. Everything. And it's beyond, it's sales. Sales jobs. It's, it's whatever you want it to be. The internet, in my opinion, has opened so much stuff up that people have, you, you have access. Whatever you're good at, whatever you want to do, you can do it yourself. So if you do not wanna be beholden to a larger company and you think you can do better without them, you can. For the first time in history, you can do it without them. And if you can do better without them, then now you actually can do better without them. There was a time where theoretically I could do better without them, but I don't have access to my fan base. I can't tell them where I'm gonna be. I can't communicate with the right people all the time. We have access to any sort of, anybody can build a fan base if they're good and talented. And anybody has access to communicate with anybody at any time right now. You know, it's, it's a crazy time. So whatever business you're in, if you can do better without a big corporation, you know, pushing you and having you do what they want you to do, go for it, do it you know and that's what Dean Ambrose is doing and i don't i don't begrudge anybody for that but i also don't think that it makes the corporation wrong for saying okay you know this is not a indentured servitude you all you can go and do it on your own but we will give you lots of money and a tremendous amount of exposure as well as a tremendous education into what it is that we do in exchange we would like to be able to use your talents in the way that we see, see fit. And that's a deal a lot of people make. That's a deal I've made with multiple companies because I believe in that model. But there have also been companies that have said, We want you to do the wrestling podcast with us. I go, Okay, let me see the deal. I don't want to sign this deal. I like doing the wrestling podcast on my own. If I wanted another boss, I would get one. No, thank you. You know, I've turned down bigger. I've turned down deals from bigger networks to move this podcast over there. You know, it's not like in almost five years, I haven't had anybody come to me and say, hey, why don't you do the podcast over here? Why don't you do the podcast over there? And I go, you know, I don't have to. So unless you can convince me that there's a great reason to, I probably won't. Now, on the other hand, I like doing a morning show at SiriusXM. I love, well, I mean, I love doing a morning show at SiriusXM. I love working with WWE. So there's no part of me that's sitting there trying to figure out how to change those things. If I didn't love those things, maybe I would. Maybe I would figure out how to change those things. So that's what Dean Ambrose did. And you know, more power to him. Uh, Speaking of stuff that I love, I loved NXT TakeOver 25. I mean, my God, I said at the top of the show, TakeOvers are the best shows in professional wrestling right now. To me, There is nothing better than TakeOver in this world of pro wrestling. Uh, Consistency-wise, show after show. I mean, let's talk about the matches, huh? The show starts hot. Matt Riddle versus Roddy Strong. And I got a friend in the crowd texting me, and he's going, Dude, there's no way. There's no way. And my friend in the crowd, not as familiar... With NXT shows as somebody who watches every takeover, right? He doesn't watch every takeover. He just kind of keeps up. And he goes, "This there's no way this crowd is going to maintain being this hot throughout the whole show. And I said, you just wait. Because I've been a part of takeovers before. Bridgeport was obviously pretty grateful to have this takeover show there. And I knew what, what that card looked like. And I said, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, you got... Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Tremendous, tremendous opener. What a great match. You got the tag ladder match, which is just, I mean, guys killing themselves out there. Killing themselves. And seeing the Street Profits have that moment. We already talked about it with Montez Ford earlier, but ah, was that good. You got Tyler Breeze versus Velveteen Dream. Tyler Breeze looking to prove everything wrong that I said in the pre show, that he hasn't gotten worse. It's just, there's something about the NXT platform that allows him to display it. And he did display it. He still lost. I still wasn't wrong. But he put out this match that, like, everybody loved. You get your title matches. I mean, Io Shirai, the way she has stepped up and completely made a name for herself. I mean, everybody is ready for a a rematch. There's no doubt in my mind that if I told NXT fans right now that in August there's going to be a hardcore match, it's going to be a rematch, and it's going to be no holds barred between Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler, you're there, dude. Without announcing one more match, you're there. And then to end the night with Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, in a match that could have gone either way, I don't think people saw that coming. Johnny Gargano only having the title for one takeover, really? He won the title at the last takeover. To have him lose it again, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but at the same time, Adam Cole is as believable an NXT champion as you could possibly get. I don't think he's had a bad match in NXT. He's incredible. Probably say the same for Johnny Gargano, but I think Adam Cole is going to have that NXT championship for a very long time right now. I think he's perfect. He is the perfect NXT champion. I've talked about Adam Cole for a long time in the sense that he's great in the ring. He connects with the fans. He can be a bad guy or a good guy, and... When you're sitting down and you're talking to him from the time he was young, from the time he was in Ring of Honor, his the, his presence was superstar. When I talked to him years ago when he was in Ring of Honor, it was clear to me that he was preparing himself to be a WWE superstar. This is the moment he's been preparing for all his life. And he's going to live up to it, you know? I just left that show with such a smile on my face. I thought it was so great, especially, especially... For a show that was only announced like three or four weeks ago. Nobody knew if it was happening. There were rumors of it. Nobody knew if it was happening. Nobody knew where it was happening. They had basically one set of TV tapings to tell all the stories needed. And then they deliver in a way where you're... And it's not connected to another WWE pay-per-view. They still sell the building out. And it's a show that's on the level of every NXT show that they've done this year. It's a show that's on the level of the takeover in January. You know, takeover, what was that, Phoenix? And takeover uh, New York? I mean, come on. I don't think anybody saw that coming. If there ever was a time to doubt NXT, it would have been this weekend. And they defied all of the odds. They put all the doubters to shame. I just thought the show was so great. I can't talk about it enough, but I got to I got to do something else here. I got to move on. Let's get to story number 3. This one's a controversial one. The WWE 24/7 Championship. Now still, <laughs> I feel like the main criticism about this 24/7 Championship is that it's not taken as seriously as like The IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Look what Okada's doing. And then over in WWE, you've got R-Truth. And it's like, no. No. You know, when DDT Pro whatever had their uh, bare knuckles title that was on the line 24 hours a day, and they were defending it on YouTube, and Joey Ryan was pinning a cat, and the Young Bucks were pinning a referee, and all this stuff was going on. Nobody sat there and said oh, come on, they're not taking that title seriously. They said, oh, I get this. This is for entertainment's sake. And that's exactly what WWE's doing with the WWE 24-7 title. If anything, it's created a new avenue to let our truth be entertaining on a regular basis. And what we were talking about last week about really utilizing the 24-7 element to it, which means multiple regular title changes, and the title changing hands outside of main shows, they nailed it. Dude, to watch a YouTube video where you've got Jinder Mahal in full ring gear jumping R Truth on a golf course, Jinder Mahal in his ring gear on a golf course, how is that not hilarious? How is that not great? That's why the title exists. It's the whole thing. It's a goof. It's fun. It's fun. And I'm sitting there watching SmackDown this week and to watch all these guys pound on each other looking for Elias and then to watch R-Truth and Elias go under the ring, you kind of know what's going to happen. If you're listening closely, you can hear the referee under the ring. You can hear while all this stuff is going on in the ring. One, two, three. And you're like, oh my God, they did it. And then they put out a YouTube video with the footage from under the ring, but I don't even think they needed to do that. Just the idea that you heard that referee counting. The referee had to follow R-Truth and Elias under the ring. I thought it was great. And then to see R-Truth you know, run out of the place. And Drake Maverick, my God. Drake Maverick doing that jump in the air and falling flat. Staying alive on social media, keeping this thing going. I hope Drake Maverick never wins the 24-7 championship. I think that Drake Maverick chasing the 24-7 title is about as good as as TV gets for me. I love it. I love it. You can call me a shiller or, or or hate on me all you want. I don't care. You really think I care at this point? I don't. I'm going to tell you what I like, and I'm going to tell you what I don't like. I like the 24-7 title. It's entertaining, and it's being done properly, and a guy like R-Truth is perfect to represent it. You know, no, everybody remembers the Crash Holly years fondly. Everybody remembers Crash Holly fighting the Mean Street Posse in a ball pit fondly. Keep that same energy. It's the same thing. I'm sorry that the 24 7 title is not called the hardcore title. But guess what? When the hardcore title had 24 7 rules, I've said this before on this podcast. I don't want to repeat myself, but when the when the hardcore title had 24 7 rules, you weren't having real hardcore matches. You weren't having ECW, 1997, Sabu going through tables, Terry Funk with a flaming branding iron matches. You weren't doing that. When the hardcore title was being defended 24-7, you were basically having the 24-7 title. You know, you were hitting each other with like luggage. It was ridiculous, but it was entertaining. So let this be entertaining. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of entertaining, my God if anything, deserves to be on this countdown. Story number two this week. I thought the best thing on Raw or SmackDown this week, which says both a lot about this segment and it also says a lot about Raw and SmackDown, let's be honest, but the best thing about Raw and SmackDown this week was undoubtedly the Firefly Funhouse. I thought this was the best firefly funhouse skit that they have done for the whole thing you know just when i think okay i think i'm ready for bray to step out of the firefly funhouse we go back in and we go in this whole new direction i mean so at first you know i was talking to wade keller about it and when i said uh, you know that uh the, the buzzard's name was mercy i go oh it's a tribute to waylon mercy but it wasn't. I'll tell you what that is. And I go, do you think Abby is Abdullah the Butcher? Now I know Sister Abigail is the reference being made, but I'm saying if we're naming things after wrestlers and and Ramblin' Rabbit and stuff like that, and you guys are probably gonna sit there and go like, yeah, Sam, we know. Stop being slow to the punch. Why are you hosting a podcast about this if you can't get on our level? I'm sorry, I'm stupid. But the revealed at the Firefly Funhouse and the puppets in the Firefly Funhouse are all Bray Wyatt. Mercy the Buzzard is named, and he's got the Hawaiian shirt on, is named Mercy because the original Bray Wyatt character, Bray is telling us, was a ripoff of Waylon Mercy. Ramblin' Rabbit is Bray Wyatt rambling through promos. These are all criticisms that bray wyatt has had criticisms probably made by the character revealed this week and i'm not talking about uh husker Hus, husk what was his name i'm gonna look it up husker the pig husk the pig uh hang on um firefly funhouse husk it'll come up um Let's see. Uh, 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 uh. Where is it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just not popping up. But you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Husk Pig. Hang on. I'm sorry. Bear with me for a second. Okay? Bear with me for just a second. Um, um, Huskus. Huskus the pig boy. I wouldn't be surprised if these are all criticisms that were made to him by Vince McMahon. And then to have a Vince McMahon puppet reveal himself as just the boss with the devil horns on it you we are now figuring out how absolutely meta this entire process has been okay mercy mercy the buzzard was bray saying that when the bray white character first came out it was a ripoff of waylon mercy and who knows maybe vince told him that rambling rabbit is bray saying that these promos were just me rambling and who knows Maybe Vince said that. Maybe Vince told him at some point in real life I don't know he's just rambling through these promos. Obviously Abby the Witch is Sister Abigail who we know is actually Bray Wyatt. You guys were sitting there going oh who's Sister Abigail? Sister Abigail is Bray Wyatt and the reason we know that is because Bray almost had to wrestle as Sister Abigail. That's what that's a reference to because Abby the Witch is wearing a similar thing to what the graphic of Bray Wyatt as Sister Abigail was wearing. You remember when when Sister Abigail was going to wrestle Demon Spice, Pumpkin Latte, Finn Balor in orange and black? He got sick, and they ended up having to do Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. Tremendous match, probably better for everybody. But I believe that Abby the Witch is that character that we would have seen wrestle Demon Spice Finn Balor. You move forward. Huskis the pig is clear. I mean, that's clearly Vince McMahon telling Bray Wyatt to lose weight. That's Husky Harris. Huskis the pig boy who loves chocolates. And then Vince actually comes in and you realize this whole thing of Bray in the gym club and, and Wyatt gym and doing the muscle dance and the muscle dance. First of all, it's a, Great way of telling the world that Bray Wyatt has gotten into amazing shape. And apparently, the entire time that he's been gone, has just been lifting nonstop. But I believe it's also Bray's way of saying, This is what Vince asked me to do. This is what Vince wanted. You know? And he's got a Vince puppet in there now. It's so cool, it's so meta. Because you're seeing this character that we see now develop as a reaction, not only to the fans, and he's still got this like cult thing going on where he wants the kids to follow him, let me in, let me in, let me in. But now he's telling Vince McMahon to let him in. Now he's saying, hey, Vince, let me in. I've done everything. I've lost the weight. I've stopped rambling. Let me in. It's so cool to me. He goes from... It's the only character I've ever seen that goes from being an over-the-top, like, horror movie character. Like, one week, he's got this weird, like, evil clown mask on, where you're like, okay, you're an over-the-top horror villain. And then the next week, he's going super, super inside, so that smarks are sitting there watching, going, oh, I know what he's talking about. I read about that in The Observer. I There's never been a character who can do that who can have this guy in an evil clown mask explain to you what's going on behind the scenes in his life in WWE. Evil children's TV host Bray Wyatt is explaining to you the plights that Wyndham Rotunda has had in WWE. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It's my favorite thing on TV after this week. I mean, that ridiculous workout video that Bray Wyatt did to me is Bray's masterpiece. And I'm a guy, listen to me on, on Stone Cold's podcast years ago. He asked me who's, who were my favorite. I said Bray Wyatt. I want Bray Wyatt to beat John Cena. I want Bray Wyatt to beat The Undertaker. I thought the original Bray Wyatt character had the potential to be the next Undertaker. And now Bray Wyatt has gone away and he's re- redefined himself he's completely restructured himself to the point where all the damage the horrible horrible damage that was done to that character we can do away with because he's acknowledging all of it all of the the, character the the steps that he had to take are all acknowledged through the puppets on that show it's his psychosis playing through via a children's tv show it's amazing Speaking of Undertaker vibes, and you know, you talk about Undertaker because he's one of these guys who like you just, I mean, just iconic characters, characters that become so big. They're just, it's just, that's, that's the, the goal that everybody who's got a very deep character should look towards. I see that in Bray Wyatt and I honestly see that in Aleister Black. I hope they let Aleister Black get in the ring soon because every time he steps in the ring, I go, Aleister Black is just the future of the business. I think Aleister Black has just endless potential from what I see. I'm just a fan on the outside, but I think Alistair Black has endless potential. I just want to see him in the ring again. Let's get into uh, uh, story number one, and that's the rest of Raw uh, and Brock Lesnar. So a couple of things about Raw. First of all, I think things are getting a little wonky in the women's division. Um, I don't know why they're taking some of the unpredictability away from Nikki Cross. I don't know why they're taking the eye makeup away. I don't know why they're humanizing Nikki Cross. You know, there's lots of humans in the women's division. There's nobody kind of wacky and unpredictable like Nikki Cross is. So I kind of get worried when I see that, although nothing that I've seen her do on raw has been bad in my opinion. And she is on raw more and she is winning matches. So You know, maybe it is for the best. But I get a little concerned when I see that. Part of me is going, Alexa Bliss is is a good guy on Raw teaming with Nikki Cross and a bad guy on SmackDown going against Bayley. But I'm going to be okay with that one because I just think that Nikki Cross shouldn't trust Alexa Bliss. I think at some point Alexa Bliss is going to turn on Nikki Cross and all's well that ends well. I'm okay with that. The Charlotte, uh, Lacey Evans thing. It's really odd to have them going at each other, but nobody really turning. Like, Becky Lynch, clearly the biggest good guy in the women's division. Charlotte turns on Lacey, I believe is how it went. And that's, that's the thing. I'm not, I don't even, I'd have to look at the footage to see which did which. But, They turn on each other, yet they still both have a problem with Becky. So it's almost like they still have a common enemy, but they don't get along with each other anymore. Like I don't know what the purpose of having them—I don't know what the purpose of having them be at odds with each other is. You know, it seems it starts to—it feels a little messy to me. The main criticism that people had of Raw this week was uh, the uh, not delivering on on promises that WWE does sometimes, that they advertise a match for Raw that just isn't happening. Early Over the weekend, Paul Heyman posts a video that he says uh, Stephanie McMahon is mad at Brock for not cashing in his money in the bank, even though, because he said he would. Now, I don't know why. I mean, Brock does have a year to cash in. So uh, And then Paul Heyman goes, so he's going to cash in this week. So last week we heard he's going to cash in. But then he found out that he had a year. So this week he's going to cash in. And you're like, why? Why would Brock Lesnar agree to that? And then he doesn't cash in. And he says he's going to cash in on Friday. Now look. As I've said before. Here's what I was okay with on Raw. I don't want him to cash in. I think Brock is more interesting with the briefcase right now than without it. But what I do also don't want is for him to say every week, I'm going to cash it in and then never do. Like we know that the money in the bank briefcase is floating there. We know that there's always a risk that Brock is going to cash in. You don't have to advertise that he's going to cash in and then not do it to heighten the suspense that he might cash in. We know he might cash in. You said he is going to cash in. And then he just decides not to for no particular reason but he says he's going to do it on Friday. So I thought that whole thing was like what just let him exist with the briefcase. Stop advertising that he's going to cash in and just say if you just say Brock Lesnar will be in the building, you get the same effect as saying he's going to cash in. If you just say Brock Lesnar is going to be here again on Raw, then you got fans going, "Oh man, Brock Lesnar is not on Raw." Every week, why is he showing up every week now? Maybe he's going to cash in this week. There's no reason to say, and by the way, he's cashing in. What? And then he's not. So why wouldn't you have just said Brock is going to be here? And then you could speculate. That means he could cash in. If he's going to be in the building, he could cash in. Why else would he be coming? He doesn't just show up to Raws, you know, speculate, but don't advertise and directly say that it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you something I'm very, very, very worried about. I think that Seth Rollins is a red herring. I am very, very worried that Brock Lesnar is going to go to Super Showdown and he's going to cash in his briefcase at Super Showdown and he is going to defeat Kofi Kingston after a hard-fought match with Dolph Ziggler. That's, as a fan, where I'm worried that things might go, that Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston will have a hell of a match, Kofi Kingston will come out on top, but realistically, the reason that Kofi Kingston has been so great as champion is because it's going to make Brock look even better when he beats him. I'm worried that Brock Lesnar is going to leave Super Showdown with the championship. And I'm worried that if he does that, he's going to carry it through the summer and show up to SmackDown in October on Fox with the championship. Again, I don't know this is going to happen. Maybe it'll happen in our, an artistic, creative way where I'm like, actually, that was really good. But I like Kofi Kingston as WWE champion more than I've liked any good guy champion in a long time. You know, I think that Kofi Kingston ran this danger of falling into the trap that a lot of fan favorites do. That when fans are so invested in the chase, I'm talking about the Daniel Bryans, I'm talking about the Rey Mysterios, I'm talking about these guys, that fans become so invested in the chase that once the person is crowned champion, all of a sudden... Either fans aren't interested or the creative changes or whatever it is. And that person's title reign doesn't really end up being that impressive. It ends up being about the moment instead of the reign. I'm okay with the moments. I love the moment of Rey Mysterio winning the title. I love, I mean, Daniel Bryan winning the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 30 is one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. But you just can't think about the reigns that followed those wins. For Kofi Kingston, he had this amazing moment at WrestleMania. And over the course of the last two months, I guess, April and May, he's had an amazing run. I think Kofi Kingston's reign as champion has been incredibly successful. I think he's so good. I think he's actually gained more supporters as his championship reign has uh, has has gone on and thrived. Which is tough to do. So I worry that Brock is gonna go to Super Showdown and beat Kofi Kingston. Now, I'm not one of the I'm not a fatalist. I'm not gonna sit there and say if Brock Lesnar were to do that, that means like, oh, WWE doesn't know what they're doing. I'm done with this, blah, blah, blah. You know, because if Brock beats Kofi for the title, it's a bummer. If it means that later on. Kofi gets to beat Brock clean for the title? Wow. That's pretty cool. You know, that if 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 that's what the result is, then okay. If if at if the end of the day, we're just going to make Kofi Kingston into an even bigger deal, okay, I'm all right with it. But in the meantime, in between time, I just don't want to see Kofi lose. So I hope that, that doesn't happen. But who knows what's going to happen? You got Undertaker Goldberg, as I said, Kofi Dolph, Brock Lesnar is looming. You have to imagine he's going to be there. Uh, Randy Orton versus Triple H. Uh, Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin, 50-Man Battle Royal. Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? But I'll tell you what I do know. I'll be on Patreon doing something for that show, whether it's a watch-along or a post-show. So if you want to get the audio, sign up for Patreon, the video, the live video. They're all there under the tiers at patreon.com slash wrestling. And either way, I will see you next week right here on this very podcast Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening.
2: Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.
1: Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling.